All right, good morning. Happy Christmas to everyone. Hope you've had a good day so far. If you have a Bible, turn to Luke chapter 2. If you don't, there's one on the back table. Luke chapter 2, familiar text for the Christmas celebration. Appreciate each person who's taken time to celebrate with us this morning. Do please uh, continue to pray for the Corn family as they're uh, stuck up on the mountain. Uh, hopefully they'll have power and everything they need today. All right, well, before we get going, let's go to the Lord in prayer. I'll ask God to work. Father, we thank you for this morning, for Christmas. I pray now that as uh, we come to your word, that you would help us by your spirit to slow down. To take a moment, to take a breath, and uh, to be able to just focus for a few minutes on the reason for all of this. We ask that you would, by your spirit, use your word in our hearts to give us great joy and gladness in you and your son, Jesus Christ. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Advent. Advent means arrival. We've been uh, going through a series this Advent season, focusing in on uh, this season and the traditions around it. Uh, it's a time in the Christian calendar when Christians traditionally have focused on waiting expectantly for Jesus to come, both at Christmas and in his second coming. Technically, Advent is over, as of today. This is the day when Jesus arrives, and we're no longer waiting. But as we've been waiting, we have been working through some of the theology and the story of the long night as we waited for the coming of the Christ. Now, a week ago we looked at the generations of those in Hebrews chapter 11 who waited because they believed, they believed, they obeyed, they waited, and as we noticed, they died without seeing the promised Savior. The long night went on and on and on. 
finally, the night began to lose its grip as the sun made his way toward our horizon, and just at the right time, night gave way to dawn. Jesus was born. Remember how we said that these all died. Hebrews 11.13 says, These all died in faith, not having received the promise, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. Yes, all of the people spoken of in that text did die waiting. But not everyone who was waiting for the coming of the Christ, believing, died waiting. And I want to show us this morning a few people who believed and obeyed and waited for the Christ, but who didn't die waiting. Luke chapter 2. If you have your Bible open, we'll start verse 22. Luke chapter 2, verse 22. We see several people in today's text that fit this category. And when the time came for their purification, referring to, to Mary and Joseph and, and baby Jesus a week after his birth, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem. So Bethlehem is close to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Right, so this is this is Jewish culture, Jewish custom. When a baby's born on the eighth day, you go to the temple, you do certain things. Verse uh, twenty-five. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So this is the first one who believes the promise and waits, but he's not going to see death before it happens. We see someone else in verse 36. Verse 36, there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of... Fenuel, the tribe of Asher, she was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. Coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak to him, uh, to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. So here's another person, Anna, who is alive, she's elderly, she's waiting, and she sees him before she dies. And then we see a final group there in verse 38, and that is all the people she talked to, whom she apparently already knew, were waiting for the redemption of of Jerusalem. Alright, so there's a number of people in Jerusalem that are kind of like the people in Hebrews 11, who heard the promise and believed the promise and obeyed God and waited. 
for the Christ. Only, unlike Hebrews 11, these didn't die before they received the promise. However, the first two, Simeon and Anna, they they almost died waiting. Very close, right? Simeon seems old. Anna is at least 84. There's some question about the translation and, and understanding it, but she's at least 84, which that's relatively old by today's standards. But you go back 2,000 years, that's quite elderly. She's up in years. But she made it in. She received the promise before she died. This morning I want to focus in for a few moments on Simeon this morning. Simeon is waiting in faith. He gets a promise, not just the general promise, many promises and prophecies throughout history, but he gets a specific promise. You won't be one of those who waits a lifetime and dies in faith. God actually says that to him in verse 26. You're not going to die. What a promise. You're not going to be one of those. The race has been waiting for this day through the long ages of history. But you're not going to be one of those people who dies. After their sin in the garden, Adam and Eve, they sin, they receive the promise, they wait for it, they wait for it, and they wait for it. And they die. Their children wait and die. Their grandchildren wait and die without having received the promise. Then comes Noah. He lives. He believes. He waits. He dies. Then God gives the promise to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Judah. They all believe. They all obey. They all wait. And they all die not having received the promise. There are hundreds of years in Egypt. And there's Moses and Joshua and that whole period of time. They live, they believe, they wait. They die. Then there's the period of the judges. Like hundreds of years. People who believe and wait and die, then there's the monarchy. Two two dynasties. Hundreds of years. People who believe and wait and die. And there's the captivity, two captivities, and the restoration to the land. Quite a long period of time. Hundred plus years. And then there's that period between the Testaments, the Maccabean era, again, hundreds of years of people being born, hearing the promise, believing it, and waiting for it, and dying without receiving the promise. And then one day, God says to a guy named Simeon, that's it. It's time. You will not die until you have seen the Lord's Christ. And again, 
Simeon doesn't see him. He's not here. Who knows how many years it's been since that promise was given to Simeon. But he seems to have believed the promise. And it also seems that he's getting on in years. Have a look at verse 29. He says, now you are letting your servant depart in peace. In other words, I can die now. I've seen the Christ, I can die now. That's that's not really something you expect a young person to say. A young person's like, I've seen him, that's great. An old person's like, I've seen him, now I can die, okay? Um, he, he, he sounds like he's getting on in years. And I imagine that with each passing year, with each ache and pain and scare, health scare, that it got a little harder to believe that I'm not going to die until I see the Lord's Christ. Well, maybe it's metaphorical. Maybe, maybe, maybe. We do these things. But one day, he's at the temple, and there he is. The Lord's Christ. It's a baby. Have a look there. Luke 2, verse 27. He, this is Simeon, he, he came in the spirit into the temple. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he, Simeon, took, took him up in his arms. What an incredible moment that is. Have you ever done that? Ever ask someone, can, can I hold your baby? And here's this guy comes, stranger, stranger comes up to, to Mary and Joseph. Can I hold your baby? And he takes him up in his arms. What a cuddle. What a cuddle. Son of God. In your arms. Now Simeon speaks. And he says two things. We'll look at them very briefly. He gives a prayer and then a prophecy. Prayers in verse 29 to 32. It's probably remembered by Mary, passed on to Luke decades later, when Luke visits Jerusalem with Paul. Notice, notice a few things. It says verse 29. Now, Lord, you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. Notice, according to your word. In other words, Simeon says, you promised and you did it. You said it. You followed through. doesn't matter how many generations come and go when God promises he does it. Simeon says, you kept your word, now I can die. Verse 30 to 32. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. Why does Simeon say, I can die now? I've seen it. I can die. The answer is because faith is now sight, right? He says, my eyes have seen. You said it. I believed it. Now I see it. 
It's a beautiful thing to celebrate the moment when faith becomes sight. Then we move on to the prophecy, beginning in verse 34. Uh, Simeon refers to Jesus in the prayer as God's salvation. My eyes have seen God's salvation. And we get an idea of what he means by this in his prophecy. Look at verse 34 and 5. Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And again, there's there's so much in this text we're just skipping past. But notice that Jesus does not come here to bring peace, per se. Right? This tempers the message of the angels, peace, goodwill to those with whom the Lord is pleased, and clarifies that it's not going to be peace for everyone. It's going to be peace for those who are at peace with God. This prophecy looks a lot like a life of conflict. And when we look at the Gospels and read Jesus' ministry, He's not just a happy-go-lucky, get-along-easy guy. It looks exactly like this prophecy. He causes trouble wherever he goes. He gets under people's skin, all the right people, in all the right ways. And the reason is right there in verse 35. It says, so that the thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. In other words, Jesus is going to be a decision man. He's going to get beneath your veneer, your cover, your presentation. He's going to show you who you really are, what you really love. He will draw the important issues of life to a head, and he will cause you to face them. This word, salvation, in the prayer, he says, My eyes have seen your salvation highlights the number one issue Jesus would force us to face, and that is that we are all sinners, separated from God by our sin, and desperately in need of just that. Salvation. We need to be rescued, right? If if we didn't need to be rescued, if we didn't need salvation, Jesus wouldn't have needed to come. Christmas would not have happened. would have been unnecessary and ridiculous. It happened because we were in trouble. And it was beautiful because it was God's salvation. And yet, Jesus didn't come to condemn us. We see that in John. He didn't come to condemn us. We were already condemned. We were already condemned and separated by God, from God by our sin. Jesus didn't come to condemn us, but to save us. And how? Well, when we read the story, we find out that he came to save us. By bearing our sin in his body on the cross. By taking the full penalty of our sin in our place and settling the debt with God. That's what it means when it says making peace. We're at war with God because of our sin. And he's going to bring us back into friendship, peace 
with God. That's what Romans 5 is talking about. Simeon gets this. And he rejoices that God has now sent the one who will be our salvation. May we rejoice in this this morning as we celebrate.